And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Good morning. Everyone had a uh, nice weekend. It is April 25th. Uh, it is the last uh, trading Monday in April as we wind up a uh, certainly a uh, tumultuous uh, month uh, to a tumultuous year. Uh, so this morning, I want to start uh, lots of uh, lots to talk about with uh, financial markets uh, having uh, tremendous volatility, uh, bond yields moving up last week, and uh, stock markets moving down, especially Thursday and Friday after uh, reports from uh, several Federal Reserve uh, officials that uh, interest rates are going to be moving higher and moving higher with uh, with more speed than uh, many had anticipated. And uh, that's leading to greater and greater uncertainty on how this is going to play out, um, not just in the bond market, but in the uh, stock market. So I thought uh, I'd start today with a uh, exercise um, and to talk about um, not only uh, where we're going, in my opinion, but where we are and how we got here. And I think that will help us uh, think about where things are going to uh, going to be in the next three to six months. And one of the reasons that we're seeing so much volatility is that we have, uh, in my opinion, a period of a very high uncertainty. I wouldn't call it unprecedented, but I'd call it um, the level of uncertainty that we uh, are not uh, even used to seeing since uh, 2008. Fortunately, I don't think it's at that level, um, but it is uncertainty that is uh, very tied to um, the economy because there are a few things that are happening that were very unanticipated. There's always unanticipated things that happen, as we've learned. And when you don't uh, leave room for error, um, which I would argue that the Fed uh, did not do when they did not raise interest rates uh, when they started to see the economy pick up, um, that has led to a greater possibility of uh, making it very difficult to stick the soft landing, so to speak, that uh, the markets are uh, looking for the Fed to deliver. So how we got here was, uh, if you remember, I would would suggest that it goes back to uh, the Trump administration and uh, the reduction in tax rates, which were a a positive uh, for economic activity. Um, It did uh, bring the deficit higher, um, but it did uh, did, uh, strengthen the American consumer. Um, we were in a period of uh, relatively low inflation. Uh, consumers had a uh, extra money to spend as a result of uh, tax cuts, and there was ample supply of goods and services, so inflation um, was remaining low. And perhaps as a result of that, perhaps it was part of the strategy, the Trump administration um, imposed tariffs on uh, on not only China but some of our allies um, in order to uh, in order to help American companies uh, compete more effectively. That is uh, a tactic that will raise prices and could be viewed as inflationary. At the same time, the Federal Reserve, uh, the Federal Reserve, the Trump administration, um, and the Biden administration as well, then pursued policies to source U.S. products domestically as opposed to uh, importing products and services from overseas um, to become less reliant, especially upon uh, key critical industries like chips. And this also is a, a factor that uh, over time uh, creates inflation. Again, it was in a period when um, we were experiencing very low inflation, so it was a uh, reasonable um, strategy, my opinion. Then we had the unexpected, the first unexpected event, uh, which is COVID. Um, and COVID um, led to uh, the shutdown of the U.S. economy, which uh, therefore caused uh, a very large demand shift to the downside. And when you have supply stay constant and you have demand pick up, well, what do you get? You get even lower prices or even you get a deflationary environment 
um, when you have uh, when you have uh, such a such a uh, shock to the system. But in order to uh, in order to uh, avoid that shock from uh, being detrimental, what we did was we uh, flooded the system with uh, with money, uh, gave out PPP loans like mad, um, gave uh, unemployment benefits uh, that were very generous. Um, so what we had was uh, those who had jobs um, were able to uh, continue to sell goods and services uh, to those who uh, didn't have jobs and uh, and were flush with cash, and those who had jobs also. Um, were doing relatively well, and at the same time, whether you had a job or didn't have a job, as long as you were receiving money from somewhere, um, in general, your spending was lower because you weren't traveling, you weren't hanging out with friends as much, so we had the savings rate pick up, only further depressing interest rates because uh, banks didn't need to compete for uh, your money um, because, uh, because there was so much of it that needed to be deposited. And now here we are, next stage, uh, COVID fortunately winding down, um, at least uh, in the minds of uh, Americans, uh, choosing uh, to, uh, to to go out and and uh, and, and be more uh, more open with our society, and uh, this is uh, in a period of uh, of of a situation where this pent up demand is leading to uh, a greater amount of spending, um, which now therefore raises demand for goods and services, um, and this is happening against the backdrop where there is less supply of goods and services, which is very unusual. Usually demand goes up, prices go up, supply goes up. But what we have going on now is we had some unexpected events outside of COVID, which was unexpected. Um, we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is a tremendous uh, supplier of oil, gas, and other natural resources for the rest of the world. Uh, those are being uh, diminished in terms of their supply. Um, not only because of uh, the war, but because of uh, policies put in place by other countries. And then we have at the same time, and this is uh, the, the, the number two of this one-two punches, we have China now uh, locking down their economy in, in some of their major cities. Uh, we, saw, uh, we saw the initial lockdown in Shanghai, and now we're seeing a lockdown potentially in Beijing. Um, and uh, this could be uh, arguably one of the reasons behind the market downturn um, in the last several days. Um, so this is another big setback in terms of uh, supply here in the United States. So demand very elevated, supply being limited by uh, the Russian invasion, by China lockdowns, by issues with the supply chain in general, and by the fact that uh, less U.S. workers are still working than were working previous to uh, COVID. All of that causing a rapid rise in prices and inflation. So enter the Federal Reserve, where we are today. Federal Reserve has a very difficult task ahead of it um, because they are dealing with a situation where the only lever they significantly have is to change interest rates. Um, they can also change their balance sheet, but both of those are uh, constriction or forces that will uh, potentially slow the economy um, and make it difficult to stick a landing because the Fed has to try and stick a landing and pick the optimal level of interest rates at the same time that they have to predict when a war is going to uh, possibly end and we'll start to see some more supply flow, uh, when COVID is going to recede, especially in, uh, in China. And the third thing the Fed is trying to navigate is reducing their balance sheet, um, something they are not as, uh, as experienced at as they are at uh, the effects of rising or falling interest rates. So we've got lots of churn, lots of cross currents taking place um, in the U.S. economy, which creates lots of uncertainty. 
And you could argue for a situation where you have stagflation. I think Mohammed El Arian this morning is uh, suggesting uh, that uh, that is a situation he sees perpetuating slow economy, high inflation. At the same time, you have others suggesting that the Fed is uh, perhaps uh, talking too tough and getting too aggressive. And uh, that is going to lead to a slowdown that is going to happen faster than many anticipate. And that's why you're going to see that flat yield curve, um, something that we're seeing more and more of uh, this morning and something that uh, that uh, is uh, making it even more challenging to figure out what to do with bonds. Do you do you buy only short-term bonds or do you try and lock in? Especially, as Brad will tell you, in the municipal market, you're looking at 35 to 4% on muni bonds. Um, are we going to 5% or are we going back to 2.5%? Very difficult question to answer uh, given what's taken place uh, in the economy. We have these cross-currents. So, for example, just to give you a couple of, uh, of headlines this morning, um, one is that uh, there is a – uh, perception that we are starting to see a sharp drop in graphic chip prices, um, something that uh, just a few uh, months ago um, would be would be seen as a uh, as as a wonder um, and a panacea to uh, the supply chain problems of uh, of of the uh, semiconductor manufacturers. Um, but here, um, this rapid drop was unexpected and could be signaling uh, not only uh, not only an issue with the uh, with the uh, chip market, but uh, an issue with the economy. If we're starting to see uh, chips uh, become in plentiful supply again. Uh, well, that could mean that demand has fallen a lot more than anticipated already on the talk from the Federal Reserve of just simply raising rates, as well as uh, the fact that uh, consumers um, have less money to spend because inflation has picked up a lot more than wages in most cases. And then we also have this morning uh, commentary from the CEO of a transportation data company, uh, Freight Waves, and he says he does not like what he's seeing. Uh, he said that there is he is he is noticing almost across the board here in the United States a sharp drop in demand to truck everything from food to furniture uh, since the beginning of March. Um, so um, we see these uh, rising commodity prices. We see uh, increased demand for goods and services as uh, U.S. consumers uh, very much want to get out and spend. And then at the same time, um, we are seeing. Uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, weakness and things like trucking that are forward looking, um, having to do with restocking inventory, uh, and we're not sure uh, how much longer this uh, this this high demand will last, and making our jobs more difficult as investors. So where are we this morning? Uh, we are seeing Dow futures uh, off their worst levels, down 180 points. Uh, S and P futures are down 28. Nasdaq futures are down about 80 uh, points this morning. Um, Bond market um, is uh, is relatively unchanged uh, inside of two years, but once you get to two years, you're seeing significant declines in yield or rises in prices. The 10-year yield now under a 260 up uh, in price. Uh, the yield is down 12 basis points this morning. Five years down 11 basis points to a 283. 10-year is down nine basis points to a 281, and the 30-year is down five basis points to a 288. Um, taking a look at commodities. Um, especially uh, oil, uh, down significantly, um, down almost 4.5% this morning, down $4.60. Uh, a lot of that having to do with the uh, new lockdowns in China and worldwide growth concerns. And, and if you're looking also uh, at uh, gold this morning, down $35 an ounce, under $1,900, uh, gold down almost uh, 2% this morning. Taking a look at, uh, at the news uh, this morning, um, the ECB out saying that they want a rate hike in July and a fast end to bond purchases. Um, the situation in uh, in the Ukraine 
um, continues with uh, no end in sight. Uh, Russia this morning warning the United States uh, not to uh, continue to meddle in the uh, conflict and uh, to uh, cease their shipments of uh, arms uh, to the Ukrainians. Um, we see the lockdowns in China, Chinese officials uh, describing the COVID situation in Shanghai as grim, with cases and deaths continuing to rise, and uh, that led to uh, the Shanghai composite dropping almost, uh, well, over 5%, and the Hang Seng down just about 4% uh, overnight, and, uh, and that uh, is one of the reasons that we here in the U.S. Uh, are weaker this morning, even after the significant sell-off on Friday. Um, some companies in the news, um, Coca-Cola is up modestly in pre-market action, about 1% after beating top and bottom line estimates. Twitter is up uh, about 5% on takeover optimism. The company met with Elon Musk uh, yesterday, and uh, there are expectations that a deal could be finalized this week. Uh, CNBC reporting a deal could happen as soon as today. Advanced micro devices is up two-tenths of a percent after the stock was upgraded to strong buy from outperformant Raymond James. Verizon down 1.5%, downgraded at Goldman Sachs, the neutral from buy, saying they still see strength and growth opportunities in 5G, uh, but they see better opportunity in AT&T, interestingly. Over the weekend, uh, President uh, Macron won re-election over the uh, far-right candidate uh, Marine Le Pen, uh, capturing about 58.5% of the vote. The Financial Times saying that President Putin in Russia has no interest in the diplomatic solution or peace talks as Ukraine is concerned and that Russia will seize the entire southeast portion of the country. Uh, New York Times uh, saying that Secretary of State Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin visited Ukraine and said they want to see Russia weakened and they want to prevent Russia from uh, reproducing uh, capacity. Um, so they want to be, be able to uh, limit Russia's ability to uh, be able to keep bringing weaponry uh, to the front. Um, COVID-19 cases uh, in Beijing, uh, CNBC's reporting, have been spreading in that city for over a week. Um, undetected, and there are reports that uh, the residents of Beijing are loading up on uh, goods and goods um, as fears grow that that city will be locked down. Uh, quickly, moving on to uh, Barron's. Um, Barron's talked about uh, the Federal Reserve uh, and uh, the interest rate hikes uh, that uh, are coming, and they uh, talk about that those could even be worse than uh, expected. This is something we were just talking about with the Fed being uh, at the same time behind the curve and now maybe uh, behind the curve on the opposite side of the curve it is slowing down um, just as they're uh, as they're raising rates. Um, expectations are at the May 3rd or 4th meeting that uh, the Fed will raise rates by 50 basis points. Uh, Fed Governor uh, Bullard had uh, talked last week about a three-quarter of a percentage point increase, uh, something the Fed hasn't done since 1994. Um, other Fed officials uh, largely dismissive of that suggestion, but uh, nevertheless giving you insight into the mindset. Um, there is now an 87% probability that the Fed will bring the Fed funds rate um, up to uh, two to two and a quarter percent uh, by July, at the end of July, um, and that is up from a 16% probability just the week earlier. Um, all that talk about that rising rates contributing to uh, the sell-off in the uh, equity markets uh, that we saw last week. Um, the sell-off we saw is not just impacting equities. Um, if uh, you're looking at your traditional 60-40 portfolio, 
Um, that portfolio uh, before today was down about 10.5% year-to-date. Uh, so the usual uh, benefit of, uh, of holding bonds uh, is, uh, is currently uh, not, uh, not being realized uh, by market participants as bond markets and ESMP are both down about 10% uh, for the year, depending on the maturity of your bonds and the, uh, and the, uh, and the credit quality of your bonds. But on average, uh, down about 10% of both stocks and the S&P. Obviously, the NASDAQ uh, trading significantly uh, weaker than that. As the bond yield nears 3%, um, that is something that uh, has historically uh, been the, uh, the dividing line, and we're talking about the, uh, the 10-year Treasury um, between, uh, between markets that historically have, uh, have been very strong and markets uh, that have been weaker. So since 1950, when the 10-year Treasury yield has been below 3%, stocks have been fine, but they fared worse when it was higher and still worse when it topped 4%. When the yield was under 3%, equities annualized monthly returns of just under 22% versus 10% when yields were higher than 3%. In addition, volatility was lower, uh, 13.5% versus 14.6%, and monthly losses were lower as well when those yields were below 3%. Uh, before I uh, finish, a few stocks that, uh, that Barron's uh, mentioned, um, Facebook, uh, was mentioned uh, saying Facebook is broken and executives say a fix won't come fast. Um, this article uh, suggested that uh, Facebook, uh, from a valuation standpoint, looks attractive, um, but Facebook is facing three uh, challenges that make uh, the future valuation more challenging. Um, one is that uh, advertising uh, ability because of changes made to uh, Apple and soon to uh, the Android operating system make it more difficult for Facebook to uh, target uh, target consumers for ads. Uh, secondarily, Facebook is facing a significant competitive threat from TikTok, and they're responding with Reels. And third, Facebook is betting big on the metaverse, um, but uh, they have not seen a payoff yet. They've uh, sunk uh, uh, $2.3 uh, billion in in just the last several months. Um, and last year alone, uh, the investments in the metaverse uh, led to losses of $10 billion. Um, so big bet on the future and uncertainty um, how those bets will uh, will succeed or fail. Um, Apple, mentioned in Barron's, is the last thing standing. Uh, Apple has, uh, has uh, outperformed uh, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Google, Microsoft. Um, Barron's uh, suggesting that uh, when Apple reports later this week uh, that uh, they should uh, – be able to hold up better than many of the other technology companies um, due to their very profitable services business, um, but uh, supply um, of chips and concerns about China uh, may weigh on things, and uh, we'll have to uh, evaluate the earnings after that, but Barron's is cautiously optimistic about those earnings. Um, NVIDIA mentioned negatively in Barron's. We talked about the fact that those uh, chip prices seem to be dropping, and uh, Barron's saying NVIDIA could be Big tech's next casualty and evidence is uh, piling up. Uh, Netflix, which uh, reported uh, earnings last week, sorry, a very significant drop in the stock price. Um, and Barron's uh, basically suggesting that uh, Netflix is a wait-and-see um, investment, um, how they handle password sharing and how they handle uh, ad-supported uh, streaming um, will uh, be very uh, determinative of the future stock price. Um, so depending on your 
uh, conviction with respect to that uh, may decide on whether or not you are a buyer or seller of Netflix. And finally, J.P. Morgan, uh, Barron saying J.P. Morgan stock has taken a blow. Now is the time to buy. Stock's yielding about 3% um, and trades at around 11 times earnings. Barron's uh, suggesting that uh, the stock, uh, which has lost some of its swagger, um, deserves a uh, uh, another look. And then finally, um, Barron's talks about stock yields uh, approaching 5% and some stocks that they think might be worth a look um, with dividend yields in that neighborhood. Uh, they mentioned AT&T, which yields around 5.7, Gilead, G-I-L-D, which yields 4.7, IBM, 4.7, Simon Property Group, SPG at 5, and Verizon, uh, which we mentioned earlier with that Goldman Sachs cut at 4.8%. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lanton. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www.heraldlantern.com. Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations.